thought that the good Lord was going to prevent us from uh, speaking of, of the good word here. Uh, Zoom, Zoom did not want me to communicate to you. Yeah, yep. It was totally, it was totally Zoom's fault, or probably the good Lord intervening. But then I guess he changed his mind. Yeah, or was, you figured out how to use Zoom. We're not sure. It's one of those two. Who's like, let's go ahead and let these boys have this chat. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and do that, which is great. Uh, we have a lot to chat about. Yeah, we do. We have a, we resolved this election uh, madness that we got into last week. Well, that de- it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, that's true. But it's true. I say, yes, it has been resolved. Praise be. To our new overlord, Emperor Biden. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Praise be to um, our, our new uh, warmonger. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's good, man. It's good. It's nice, I think, especially uh, being here in Portland. Uh, it's nice to feel that sort of collective sigh of relief that folks have been holding in now for four years. Um yeah, it just, uh, it's been a good, it's been a good week because of that. Um, people are in good spirits. Things are, are looking positive for the first time in a little while here, uh, at least as far as the country goes. So that's, that's all good and gravy. Yeah, man. It's cool to see people in good spirits, you know? partying in the streets a bit and um for sure feeling i don't know seems like a majority yeah, of people pots. yeah it feels like majority of people feel like uh the monster has been slayed but that is to be seen and obviously uh you know the lesser the lesser of the two evils took victory so that's that's solid but it'll mm-hmm. be it'll just be it's just gonna be interesting to see how all this how everything shakes out, man. Like there's a, For sure. a like whether Biden becomes to be some great president or or not. Like it's uh, they have a lot on their plate. That's for sure to have to uh, kick things off with dealing with this whole COVID crisis that seems once again to be on the rise and trying to figure out how that's going to be dealt with. Uh, pretty dope yeah, to man. see the first. Uh, not only the first female vice president, but it's a, a black female vice president. I think that's a pretty monumental thing for sure. So that's really dope. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, mean, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and dude was talking about how he's based in Israel. And he was like, you know, Amer- in America right now, like you guys hate each other more than you hate any other actual outgroup like yeah, the left right? and the right hate each other more than they hate china or russia which is sort of un-american and historically unprecedented um but i did think that that kind of rang true and i've been trying to do my best to um just hold some compassion for the folks who i know we talked about this at length last week but the folks who you know, are on the flip side of where you and I were in 2016 and feeling like, oh, fuck, it's all over. 
Trump lost, Biden won, we're fucked now, like, this whole country is going to shit, we're gonna lose everything, I'm gonna lose everything that, like, I believe in and stand for, you know, that's a real feeling that some people have, I think that it's misplaced and misguided, but, um, we're not gonna get anywhere by just calling them fucking morons and leaving it at that, uh, I think if there's one thing that maybe could really help and i think that um you know there's there's some like sort of like culty vibes on on both sides but um i would like to think that maybe the left is is better equipped to extend an olive branch to the right and say like i mean because ultimately we're not going to be unified by biden getting up and saying like let's unify it's, it means nothing to people on the right. It's going to come down to, like, your actual interactions with people on the streets, people in your life, um, you know, the way that you talk to internet strangers and shit like that. And, uh, yeah, I just hope that we can start to move things away from something that's so divisive. And I, I do think that that starts ultimately with with individuals um, and it requires work on both sides, you know, it requires work from everybody. Um, and I think it requires a little extra work on, on the party who's going to, uh, extend an olive branch, but it requires work on the other side to, to receive that olive branch too. So, yeah, just got to figure out how to break bread with, uh, these people that may not agree with politically or socially, I suppose, but I think also just figuring out how to not politicize every single issue. Right. Like, why is coronavirus a political issue in America? There's nothing political about it. You know, like, we're all fucked in the situation together. Yeah. And it it has just been blown up into this right versus left thing. Mask wear, not a mask wear. Well, the good, I think the good Lord would crazy. agree with you on that. 100%. It's just a little wild. Like, I don't know that obviously have no experience being in another country during this COVID crisis, but I don't really see that being reported that there's two different sides of, of the feelings towards the virus and right creating all these absurd, like, I don't know, conspiracy theories around it and just seems like the other countries like whatever whatever the government mandate is is like what what is happening yeah yeah so for sure it would be great if we can all just accept what is um what is reality what is actually happening um yeah because i mean big news this week with with the vaccine being uh pushed forward uh, and potentially on its way, uh, time, time frames that I've heard, like as early as January, obviously not for the general public, but for, you know, people most in need of it, healthcare workers, whatever. But this means that like, you know, potentially like we could have enough vaccines here in America by the middle of next year to really have a handle on this thing. If people are willing to get a vaccine, but yeah. Again, that's been a, that's a politicized issue as well, and so you know I'm sure other countries are going to be like, like fucking Netherlands and Switzerland and shit. Like everyone will get it; won't be a problem. 
it'll it's going to be fine. And here in America, there's going to be potentially 50% of people that are just like, nope, I don't believe in vaccines. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people rightfully so, I think, start to get scared of who's backing these vi- these these vaccines and, get it. and things and, of that nature. Which You know, when you think about it, a vaccine is honestly like, it's super, super science fiction. To think that we take, in most cases, a normal vaccine is like we take like, you know, the dead components of a virus and you give it to your body and it helps your body like build an immune response to it without actually giving you the virus. In this case, we're actually giving the body RNA instructions on without injecting us with the virus. We're doing RNA instructions on like how to fight it. But that's some pretty like some pretty sci-fi shit. You know, like I don't fully understand it. I barely understand. I have a second grade understanding of vaccines. I still <laughs> trust in them and believe in them. But like, I guess all that to say, <coughs> I'm not, I'm not shocked. Uh, once I started looking into the vaccine and like how it was, you know, so I was curious, like we've never had a coronavirus vaccine before. They weren't sure if they were even going to be able to make one. Um, so I was like, so how did we do it? And in looking into it, I was like, man, this is really interesting, but it's also, it's pretty out there in terms of like, I mean, it's just scientifically like so advanced. I guess I'm not, it's not to call people who don't believe in vaccines dumb, although I think there's a correlation there, <laughs> but I guess the mistrust in science and vaccines, I, I sort of understand from the sense of like, I mean, it's a failure of our education system and whatnot, but I, I guess I just get like sort of the layperson being like, I don't fucking understand what that is that you're injecting in me. Like, why would I, why would I just have blind faith that this is going to work, you know, and that it's not fucking with me somehow. So, you know, hopefully we can figure out some kind of like amazing public education campaign where we can educate folks on like what the fuck this actually is that's going into your body, how it's not harmful. Um, and everyone will get the vaccine or at least we just need like 80% of people to do it. And then this is something we can probably get under control. Right. Yeah, man. I think everybody's just, there's so much information now available that so many people are able to see past maybe some of the bullshit that has been sold to the general public in the past. And then you get super weary at a a certain point, I guess, rightfully so in in some cases. And just, uh, I guess there's, there's a lot of variables to each, you know human body and whatnot sure and and how it responds to things you know you see people that get deathly ill from getting the flu shot and then maybe they're so sick for a week that they just decide like that wasn't even worth it i might as well have just gotten the flu it's not everybody but it happens to some people and then you have some people who fucking actually die from the flu plenty of people every year die from the flu yep so not 250,000, but people, for sure. They die. People, yes. People. Children, For even. sure. Um, <laughs> not to make it super dark, but yeah. Death is all around us. Death uh, is all around us. Coronavirus, apparently, all around us <laughs> still. And, yeah, especially uh, now. Yeah. I just hope that there's some sort of... Uh, solution where whether it's a combination of the vaccine 
or there is some sort of uh, like freeze, social freeze that happens where the government figures out how to put a freeze on all bills for like a four to six week process Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to, you know, bail out the like everyone at the same time or putting everybody in the position together. So where people aren't freaking out about having to uh, go pay their bills sometimes, obviously some, some essential workers would be key in making that process happen still. But Mm -hmm. I just don't know if everybody gives a fuck to even do something like that. Like it has, I don't know. We're just going to, I feel like we're going to have this uproar again of people that are saying that this is impeding on their freedoms as an American and you can't just lock us down and whatnot. But I don't know, man, watch other countries do it where it's just like, no, you can't go out. You're staying in. Everybody's staying in and someone make sure that that's happening and it doesn't have to be a big deal. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. That is an interesting point that it's like, it's not like it's only America that's saying, all right, y'all, we're going to stay in. Yeah. Because we're, I mean, it's like so many other countries have done this lockdown. Like, and not, it, it's not like it's just China and fucking Russia, like authoritarian governments, like normal countries. Yeah. Like the UK right now is doing another two week pause on social gatherings um, just to, to help slow things down around the holidays, anticipating that a lot of people are going to get together for the holidays so they're hoping that people are quarantining up until then and yeah i don't know just might be necessary maybe it's not but i don't know it looks like shit is on the rise again as predicted yep so yeah well i don't think that our fine listeners came here to hear our hot take on politics and public health issues but no probably not i don't know what i don't know what the 15 of them came for this time around yeah anyway Uh, (laughs) yeah or any other time for that matter but uh you know i what i'm interested in you know who cares about the listeners whatever what i'm interested in is how are you doing just in general how am i doing i'm doing just chipper yeah (laughs) Oh, I'm doing cool, man. It's uh, just trying to manage time really at, at a uh, high proficiency right now so that I do not get overwhelmed You're a busy by bee. a lot of things. I got the busiest time of the year coming up at the bakery. The holiday season is upon us, and I'm just trying to brace myself for that. And, uh, you know, trying to be prepared because preparation makes everything a lot easier that's right and uh it's keeps the keeps the anxiety down to a low if uh everything is well managed so for sure just trying to just trying to do that seasonal depression is already it's already got me i know that we've had like one gray day in a row maybe two (laughs) maybe there's been a little bit of rain short days Oh fuck, man! The sun setting it's, at four forty-five. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely a thing for me. So, I 
yeah, I just need to stay busy, I guess, and figure out how to, uh, how to not just crawl into a hole and want to watch TV all, all night. I feel like that's what, what I want what you want to do when you, when it's sure. dark outside, when you, when you leave work, it's just like, cool. I'm just going to go sit on the couch and make some tea Yeah, I watched and watch TV I watched, for eight hours before I go to sleep. I watched two movies yesterday back to back. Which I guess two. isn't that different from like binge watching a TV show. But I watched two no. movies and then I went to bed. May I ask what you watched? You may. And I respectfully declined. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I watched When Harry Met Sally. What? And then, That's so funny. which I had never seen before. Uh, okay. Pete Holmes was talking about it on his podcast. And so I was just like, all right, let's see what it's about. I love that movie. I think it holds up pretty well for its time. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed it. Uh, And then I watched um, that Netflix movie with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. I think it's called, I think it's just called Marriage. Marriage Story? Yeah. Marriage Story. Oh man, that's a rough one. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little dark. It's a little fucked. Um, And (laughs) juxtaposed with When Harry Met Sally was definitely a journey. But, you know. And the edibles were really kicking in when that movie hit. Like I was really just on it. <laughs> That's part of what was happening yesterday. It was it was an edible movie night. Just watching like these really uncomfortable fights between a couple and watching yeah. their their entire relationship unravel and watch these two divorce lawyers feed into each other. Yeah, it was pretty and just destroy lives. It was pretty gnarly. But good movie. I liked it. Um Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, definitely made me weary of, you know, getting divorced with a kid ever. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, it's brutal, yeah, it's dude. really brutal. It's fucking brutal. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is that sort of that time of year, and I'm trying to be easy on myself in terms of, like, you know, let's make sure we're still getting the things done that we need to get done. But at the end of the day, there's still a global pandemic happening. Uh you know, it's cold out, it's dark out. Like if you want to hunker down and eat sushi and watch movies, like fine, whatever. Yeah. Just try a, to not I'm do it every it. night. But if we need to do it a couple times here and there, a couple times a week, whatever, it's probably fine. Um, I, I do find though that typically for me, October and November are like, like switching in transitioning to fall is actually like these are really usually good months for me mental health wise like or they have it in the past like I feel like I get some clarity on my life I figure out things that I need to like adjust and things I need to invest more time in things I need to invest less time in and this year just feels very different feels I just feel pretty flat um I feel like I'm sort of just in a, in a bit of a haze, just kind of going through the day by day. And I think so much of that is just a function of like working from home, being at home all the time. Um, yeah. And it's weird to reminisce on like even what I was doing last year or, or the year before that. I mean, you know, going on little tours with the band, playing lots of shows, going to see lots of shows, lots of hangs with friends like my life is just and I know I'm not alone here but like it is just so vastly different than it has been in the past uh 
Um, and I do think I'm at a point where maybe sort of similar to at the, the beginning of the pandemic where I was like, Ooh, this could get dark. You better like get out in front of it and make sure you're taking care of yourself. <laughs> I feel like now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, didn't really do that. And now it is getting a little dark and maybe I should like really double down on, uh, investing in my in myself and my mental health and physical well-being um so i'm gonna try to you know i'm, I'm taking some time off of work uh not next week but the week after <clears throat> i hope that'll help a little bit and i'm just gonna try and do uh you know try to do some resets here and there when i can can't do them all at once but um you know just try to really like focus in on on what I need to do to to wake up feeling decently stoked to be alive every day. Right now, I'd say I'm mildly stoked. I want to be at yeah. least decently stoked. I feel like I'm I'm mildly stoked to be alive right now, given the circumstances. Cool shit's happening. You know, life is not bad by any means. Uh, we took that. Um, I took. We took that different ways. For me, mildly stoked is like it's a warm malaise. It's lukewarm life. I want to be at least, you know, I want to be approaching piping hot so that when I wake up, okay. I'm like, you want to get, fuck yeah. you want to get like steamy. I'm stoked. Yeah. I want to be stoked. I, yeah, I think a, a big part of me being stoked is knowing that my shit is in order and that I've like accomplished the things I need to be accomplishing instead of waiting till the last minute to do them. Mm-hmm. So I'm about burning the days as Pete Holmes would say, you know, I'm about burning one and just like fuck it today i am just posted up on the couch and i'm crushing movies and video games today yeah but you gotta there earn is it. no work there's no work to be done but yeah i think the key for me also is that there can't be like the come home from work and then try to sit down and decompress on the couch for like an hour because that might stretch to like three hours it's got to be like all right, come home, relax for a second, and then like get into the shit I need to like take care of, and then go have the, the leisure time on the couch for the rest of the night, mm. knowing that everything else is kind of done for the most part, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Damn. So you are <clears throat> you are busy because I'm doing. I have leisure sprinkled throughout my day. I'll like leave my yeah, I'll dude. leave my desk at ten thirty. And like go for a walk for an hour or 30 minutes, come back, do some more work, eat lunch, watch TV while I eat lunch, maybe, or listen to music or something, read a book. Yeah. And then I sort of like work throughout the afternoon as needed. And then, and then I just have the evening. I have, I have a whole laundry list of things I need to do. Like my house is old and it's falling apart at the seams. And I got like all kinds of little repairs I got to do. And I've just been putting it off and putting it off to the point where now I just like, I don't know, seem to not really care. Um, I did get it. I had a weird, I had yesterday off of work, Veterans Day, just a Wednesday in the middle of the week. Super weird. So I did, I knocked a few things off the list then, uh, but still obviously big chilling. I watched two movies at the end of the day, so. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. Life is weird yeah, and hard, I, and it's just like such a weird balancing act to try to like, you know, maintain 
composure and and get the shit done that you need to get done while also allowing yourself to just like live and breathe and relax and the weird paradox of not being able to relax unless you've actually like cleared some shit out of your mind in terms of getting some shit done. Otherwise the relaxing isn't relaxing. It's just anxiety inducing and on and on we go on the hamster wheel. It's fucked. Yeah. Um, and, and the flip side of it is that the thing, all the things that are keeping me incredibly busy are things that I'm choosing to do and things that I see as like worth my time. These are nothing that I, I don't know. None of these things are things that I have to do. Right. Aside from go to my day job, that's the thing I have to do <clears throat> to financially support myself at, at this time. But I don't know. All the other things that I'm doing outside of that are to are hopefully bettering myself in some way. Um, and I, I don't know what the the future payoffs are for that, but at least I'm exercising my, my mind in some different ways and like trying to learn new things about things I care about and trying to further my knowledge of, you know, industries that I want to maybe get into in the future and whatnot. You know, everything I'm kind of doing is because I don't want to settle in to just, I don't know, going to a job every day that I don't really care for that much for the rest of my life. Right. So I feel, I feel good about that. You know, like, yeah, I can't complain about the time I don't have to just hang out because if I wanted to do that, I could, it would just be to me kind of sacrificing the work that I'm trying to do to have some life that is different than the normal situation that so many people get locked into having to do a job every day for the rest of their lives for the most part that they don't give a shit about, I guess. Yeah. Not to speak down upon that. Like I'm about it and would do whatever I have to do to provide for people I need to provide for if I was in that situation. But you know, I'm not, I don't have financial obligations to people. So I'm going to keep, keep just trying to push keep hustling. What I see is like the vision. I keep hustling. I keep hustling. Cause people keep are doing hustling. it, man too. Like it's, keep I don't know. Hustling. No. I just, yeah. Sing that. Yeah. That's, that's the, uh, that's the choir. That's the Bible buds choir. That <laughs> that's you're right. hearing. Uh, it's, a, it's a choir of one, but, um, yeah, man. Trying to keep on hustling. I think, uh, I don't know, just reflecting upon a lot of shit about where my life was at one year ago, um, in maybe a different way than what you were talking about, but still just kind of realizing the, the amount of moments that happen within, uh, the span of a year and how life shifting those can be think sometimes those year to year doesn't look much different and sometimes it looks incredibly different sometimes you think that your life was you know about to be completely different and involve different people in it and yeah i'm super grateful for where things are at now and for some of the stability that i i have now um relationship wise that I haven't had in years and years and years. So that's super sick. But yeah, then there's also, you know, the, the fucking sad boy (laughs) 
the sad boy that's also gonna always like reflect on these different times and you and, know and things of that hard to escape in a good way to escape our inner uh inner white emo sad boys that are just in there they're wailing <laughs> they have sad songs that they want to sing uh they have all kinds of things that they want to to tell us in the world and that's it's it's just it's part of our plight daniel yeah and that's okay i'm cool with that i'm cool that like sometimes i still process the world by being a sad boy and you know picking up a guitar or whatever and i'm also i think i'm i'm happy to see maybe the growth and the reflection and how that is approached Mm -hmm. at times you know i feel like it's different than it was 10 years ago or last year or whatever you know no doubt so so that's it man that's it i also coincidentally watched harry met sally um on maybe sunday or monday one of the two weird uh ruby had never seen it and we were just looking for like a kind of a a bullshit movie yeah i feel like we've been watching like not even a bullshit movie because i don't think that movie is bad but it's uh you know it's not anything super heavy it's just kind of fun to watch yeah there's good witty banter i think i think that uh we've been watching a a lot of those types of movies right now some light-hearted shit for sure and that's savannah and i that's dope i really like savannah and i went through a phase where we were just like are we just gonna watch a bunch of adam sandler movies because i kind of just want to watch a bunch of adam sandler movies and we did that and it was great it's great it's nice to just you know sometimes you just got to kick back and just not think about how fucking heavy and sad the world is so that you can recharge and go back out and try to fight for what's right and what's good in the world again yeah buddy yeah buddy um cool man you want to jump into the uh the yeah, let's do it the final the final uh installment of this yeah this the season chat the season finale hacking away at this is the season finale of the way <laughs> exactly um if you have followed all this is the sixth episode of this i think at this point if you've followed this far then it sounds maybe like our version of the story was more compelling than the actual story maybe <laughs> i don't know if that's possible i don't i don't i i think it's very possible given the way that the story was written um <laughs> and you know what i just want to i got a plug really quick i just started reading this book um i can't remember what the author's name is elaine pagels or something like cool that plug, but dude. it's cool called plug. uh well you know what i'm sitting at my computer so i'll just look it up real quick but it's called the gnostic gospels uh, I think it was okay. written in like the seven. So in like the forties, there was a bunch of <clears throat> Gnostic gospels that were, that were found, um, that told a, a very different story of Jesus's teachings. Um, so here we go. Anyways, I started reading this book and I found it really interesting. Yeah. Elaine Pagels. I think I was, I was right without even looking it up. I had to look it up. But anyways, um, the beginning of the book really talks about how, you know, there's sort of this like Orthodox Christianity that really viewed, um, the resurrection as, uh, you know, this physical event that took place. 
and how the Gnostic Gospels and Gnostic Christianity was really like, no, we're talking about more of like a spiritual resurrection uh, and, and being resurrected into the spiritual realm. I mean, it's basically talking about like, you know, everything that we talk about, like when you have like a, a crazy God experience on mushrooms or through meditation or like altered states or whatever, like that's sort of, I think what they were pointing towards anyways, what I found really interesting about the book is they talk about how, um, the Gnostics actually claim Paul as one of their like first apostles, one of the first like authorities of Gnosticism. Um, and so I started thinking about acts in that way just a little bit and how, again, like this is a book that's been translated over and over from, you know, language to language. And, you know, you can sort of spin it a certain way if you're going to translate it. And I was like, you know, maybe Paul isn't as obsessed with zombies as this book makes it look like he is. Like maybe what he was actually talking about was the resurrection of the spirit into, you know, other realms or whatever, um, as opposed to the resurrection of the physical and it just has been sort of like misinterpreted or mistranslated over time. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was an interesting thing to note that like, I feel like both you and I have been reading this this book and being like, dude, Paul, you're fucking boring and your inter- interpretation of Jesus's teachings are fucking boring. Um, but if you think about it, Paul's first encounter with Jesus, right, is not resurrected Jesus in the flesh. It's the spirit of Christ in the form of a light on the road to Damascus. So he sort of had this first like initial kind of like encounter with God that the Gnostics would claim that like anybody can have. Um, And it just was, it just was also claimed by the sort of like Orthodox churches as something different. So um, anyways, food for thought, just thought I would put that out there because I just had was reading that this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's what made him such a great spokesman for the whole situation, is that he did have that that experience in Damascus. Without it, he would be, no uh, one would care. He just would have rotted in jail the first time. Yeah, and when, I don't know, speaking about, like, the resurrection of the spirit and, and thinking about it more from that angle or lens i think that would just kind of speak to how strongly paul felt about you know the gentiles receiving the holy spirit and not having to be a jew not having to have the circumcision yeah, not having to have to like experience. all the cultural framework to experience right yeah to experience christ uh i do think that that's is interesting um and i think yeah, I don't know. I feel like modern Christianity has sort of chalked that up to something very different than what, I guess, Gnostic Christianity would chalk it up to. Then you think that they would chalk it up more to, like, this focus on the physical resurrection? Yeah, well, but also I just think that, like, um, I think Orthodox Christianity or just, like, Christianity as we know it today is sort of like, well, Paul's just teaching, like, you know, just like love each other and like just be cool to everybody regardless of their like even he accepted gentiles and like 
pretty much everybody <laughs> except for Jews from Asia. And uh, whereas Gnostic Christianity is like, no, this is pointing towards something like much, much deeper, which is that like well, we yeah, can I mean, all have this encounter. We can all be resurrected in our own way. Um, and like Jesus was trying to teach us that that's sort of the secret knowledge that like, um, you know, the Gnostics would argue that like there's this one faction of the the faction of that we know today is a faction that basically was never given the secret knowledge. So they teach this very orthodox ancient tradition that's on the physical resurrection of Christ, whereas Gnostic Christianity is more like very focused on the individual experience with divinity and spirituality and trying to find the resurrection within yourself and that Christ, you know, laid yeah, the, the groundwork and, and gave you a map for that. Um, but that was considered secret knowledge. That was something that like, they didn't necessarily want like Gnosticism in a way sort of paved the way for Orthodox Christianity to be the way that it is because they wanted to hold that knowledge tight and they didn't, they felt like you needed to be a certain level of like spiritual maturity before you could receive that verbatim or you needed to just ex to encounter it for yourself. And so like, that's why they, and, and oh no, am I still record? Check. Okay. Yeah. My shit just looks You're like right it's fucked that? up, but, um, I think we're good. Well, I'm just going to let you know, just so you don't have to have anxiety about it. I have a great feed on you, and I've okay. also well, been great. recording you the whole time. Great. And I think the so. Holy Spirit wanted me to know that um, and told it to me through you, which is fantastic. But <laughs> no, yeah, I just I think it's this book has been really interesting already. I'm only like 50 pages in, but um, yeah, it's just a it's a de-emphasis well, on yeah. like sort of. <clears throat> authoritarian like authoritative knowledge of like this is the tradition of Christianity and like these are all the things that we agree upon and this is the way that it is versus um Gnosticism saying like you're the only one who can really tell yourself like what it's all about absolutely dude I mean and as for as boring as some of this this book has gotten at at points it hasn't all been super low points there's some there's some fun moments that happen here but even through that i think i've definitely uh you can definitely see through the story that like paul has had this undeniable this transformation moment yeah. in his life and he is fucking ready to die for he's, it. Dude. He's, he goes. He walks towards. Yeah, he, he walks, walks towards death. To the, like when people tell him not to, to go to Jerusalem, the earth, to the end of civilization. Like, no, he's like, I will go I'm wherever going, I need to go to spread this message of the way. Yeah, and you know we're gonna see him walk a little bit further here as uh, he approaches. He approaches Rome in these for final sure. chapters, but. Yeah, I just, uh, when you have an undeniable experience like that, it becomes this thing of, uh, it's like no one's going to strip, like no matter the scrutiny Paul takes, it seems like no one is going to strip him of his experience 
and him trying to convey that in some way of of what this shift has been like for his life so he understands that like anybody can be spoken to anybody can you know be tapped on the shoulder absolutely yeah so um cool well so this story picks up where you know two years have gone by paul is like awaiting trial or whatever and now it's it's finally happening yeah for two fucking years man yeah this guy's just hanging out uh yeah, and and Paul is essentially like for some reason he's just dead set on like this should go to the Supreme Court. Like I want this to go to Caesar. Um these accusers have nothing on me. I've done nothing wrong. Um you know, I've hurt their feelings with my views that against my views, my pro zombie views that are, are potentially challenging their traditions, but other than that, done nothing wrong. Um yeah. Meanwhile, the Jews are still trying to right. plot to ambush to kill this dude. They're trying to get Festus to just go get him from wherever he's at and bring him back to Jerusalem. And uh, he's like, no, we're going to go see if this dude sure. is guilty of, of these. Uh, and if he is, then he'll he'll uh, suffer the consequences. Yeah. And after the after the trial, uh, you know, Festus consults with. With this king, King Agrippa, um, yeah, yeah, like and it's, and and Festus <laughs> is sort of like I don't really know what to I just don't know what to do with this. It's sort of it's weird. It's out of custom. Yeah. I don't really understand. What, like this guy shouldn't even be on trial. Like he didn't do anything. And this verses eighteen and nineteen it says uh, when his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I'd expected. Instead. They had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. So again, some zombie stuff or, you know, the Gnostic angle of like, you know, Paul believes in the spirit of Christ as still remaining alive or or something like that. Um, But it's essentially still all boiling down to this one single dispute about the resurrection of Jesus about whether or not he was resurrected. Um, and, and the bulk of the accusations and the bulk of what's driving the Jews desire to ambush Jesus is around Paul's that belief and, and what he's spreading. Yeah. And Paul's still just like, yo, if I die for this, I'm deserving of death. It's rooted. This is really, strong in his he's strong in his shit he's rooted in it and uh i like i also really like that moment where festus is consulting with king agrippa and he tells him everything about the paul situation and king agrippa is just like wild shit man (laughs) yeah i want to meet this dude (laughs) like i want to see i want to see what this guy's about yeah i dig it um and then they gather that next day for that that assembly, which leads into yep. uh, chapter twenty six, and Paul's kind of given permission to speak. And at this point, man, Paul has got to be pretty confident in his public speaking ability, right? 
You know, like this is this is his jam, dude. Like this isn't the first he's time he's had Gentiles to defend himself. The way. It's not the first time he's trying to like. Yeah, it's not the first time he's trying to convince people sure. of something, and uh, he just goes in and shares his story and shares his testimony. And a certain point, Festus interrupts him. He's just like, "Dude, you're you're crazy." And uh, I have verse twenty-two marked here, twenty-six, uh, chapter twenty-six, verse twenty twenty-two. It's a uh, but I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I say nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and mm-hmm. to the Gentiles. And yeah, just, uh, like when the king hears it, he's just he's just convinced that Paul has done right, nothing wrong. Right, but it's wrong. important to still to point out that like, <clears throat> immediately preceding that, Festus is like, "Paul, you're losing your goddamn mind." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Festus because thinks he he's even crazy before that after in verses, this, uh, sure. I guess starting in fourteen, right? Like Saul is retelling, or Paul, Saul, whatever. <clears throat> He's retelling the story Same guy. of his encounter on the road to Damascus and this light that he encountered and Jesus saying, like, right. it's me who you've been persecuting. You know, I'm going to make you a, a servant of the way uh, and I'm going to, you know, rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm going to send you to open their eyes and turn them from the darkness and the light and like all this stuff. Um, yeah. Place place among those uh, yeah, give people a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So, yeah, it's just sort of like, it's a little all over the place. Um, Festus is like, Paul, you're out of your mind. Yeah, King Agrippa like does believe in the prophets and is like, well, this is interesting, but he's also like, do you think that you're going to like make me uh, you're going to put me on the yeah. path of the way you're going to make me a Christian. I think this is the first time in the Bible that I have noticed this word Christian in verse 28. When Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Um, right. So I thought that was, yeah, definitely. I haven't heard it mentioned much if at all. And, uh, yeah, he's also just like, yo, if he's done anything, which I can't tell if he has, doesn't seem he has, it's definitely not punishable sure. by death. And I think it's so interesting that, that Agrippa are, basically uh, says, he's like, like you said, he's like, look, he has done nothing that is punishable by death or even imprisonment. And then he's like, basically like, you know, right. but Paul has appealed to Caesar and like wants to go to Caesar's court. So like I'll send him to Rome so he can do that. But like this guy could have been free already if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, but he did. But the Lord tell the Lord told him, dude, he's got to go. He's got to go do in Rome as he did in, in Jerusalem and just also. Yep. Proclaim and this is his Paul's way there. to get on back on the way and get to Rome and get those people on the way to the way 
Yeah, so now he's on, now he's sailing. He's sailing for Rome with all these other prisoners on this ship. Hundreds. Hundreds and, of prisoners. Uh, hundreds of prisoners. And then when they, they're on the uh the boat there, they encounter they encounter the storm. They approach some uh some treacherous waters there. Um, verse 9 here of, of chapter 27 much time had been lost and all sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the f- after the fast so Paul warned them men I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to, to ship and cargo and to our own lives also but the centurion instead of listening to what Paul said followed the advice of the pilot and all of the owner of the ship since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix, winter there. This was harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and yeah, northwest. Yeah, so I love this. And then yeah, Paul's basically, this is a great, like if we were reading a script right now for the last episode of, of this season of The Way, um, you know, Paul's boarding this ship. He's on the final leg of his journey now. He's appealed to Caesar. He's getting on this ship with hundreds of other prisoners. And he's saying like, hey, the storm is coming. We should be weary of this. And nobody listens. And then the next section is called the storm. <laughs> the storm comes. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, was, Paul was correct. The storm definitely comes and uh yeah man they're they lose a bunch of shit damages damages mm-hmm. the ship pretty bad you know we get into the to the shipwreck and they're 14 nights deep into this voyage and they're still being yeah, tossed people aren't, around people aren't eating like it's like, not just it's not just yeah it doesn't just go away it's not like some storm that they weather in a, in an evening it just like continues on and uh the sh- the ship is is dwindling down it's it's mortal combat health bar is dwindling down it, it is is ready to to come apart and and Paul's Paul's like telling everybody that they need to eat like they got to figure out how to how to eat and and to not let right. everyone bail from the boat and they finally get close to this bay when the ship is kind of like hitting its major breaking point. And initially the plan is that all the soldiers and guards are, they're just going to kill all of the prisoners to make sure that none of them go free. But then Paul convinces them yeah. otherwise. And he's just like, you know, I kind of like this Paul guy. This 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 dude seems like he's maybe keyed into some other shit and uh mm-hmm. he grew a soft spot for Paul and he wanted his life to be spared so they just let all the prisoners kind of bail out yep. from the ship and and swim to shore and then everybody everyone everybody else lands there says, safely uh, the rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship in parentheses this is my edition titanic style uh and in this way everyone reached land in safety so that's its its own special miracle. Um, I do think it's really interesting that as soon as they get on Malta, this is something I had noted. Um, so the islanders showed unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed 
everyone because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said it. They said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has yeah. not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was God. What a swing. Um, I do think that that's like really... yeah. Clearly, there's a lot of symbolism in that. Uh, Paul reaching land safely and then, you know, getting bit by a snake, but surviving and not even really being affected by it. Um, Daniel, I couldn't tell you what that symbolism is, but I just, I know it's there. Yeah, I don't know if I can, you know, pinpoint anything in particular, but obviously, I mean, a part of it is like Paul again being rooted in his shit this snake this viper is on him and i'm assuming he uh shakes it from his arm with a lot of composure you know this man's not panicking when he sees the snake because he's already been through it all to like get to where he's going and and still kind of you know he's living by that shit of like if i die from this viper i'm deserving to die like he's not he's not worried about when his time is. He's just like he's doing his thing. And uh yeah, and then those people kind of see that same thing. Obviously, you know. I I like the idea that the snake came to his arm because he was some sort of murderer. He was he was a prisoner on this ship for a reason and was obviously like some mm-hmm. bad guy and he finally gets freedom but then the snake comes to destroy him and then and then they see what happens and and then they're kind of converted and you know their misconceptions about this fella are uh they they go 180 <laughs> for sure they go full-fledged the other way and just he's like no god. he's not a demon he's a this. god actually and uh he's he's tapped into some other shit and and uh, like instantly paul grows his folklore for these you know these these islanders who have no idea who he is they just all of a sudden now they just think he this, this man sure. is as powerful as um, he hey give me just so. w- oh it just mysteriously stopped i was having all kinds of audio issues but it's fine now i wish i hadn't said anything okay no, it's fine. We uh we like the listeners to know that there are real problems that incur when uh when doing this podcast, whether remotely or like we are tonight, or whether right. it happens Could be in as the same simple room. as your mic stands not cooperating and as complicated as you know, being Dan and not understanding how to use Zoom. So Hmm. <laughs> that seems a little unfair perhaps pointed uh, but that's uh, what was said but, so. uh, but tonight is, is yeah yeah that's uh, what happened tonight anyways but. i think that it's also super dope that they're just like so there was an estate nearby belonged to this dude uh publius chief official of the island and i'm just i'm thinking like he has an estate that can just host like dozens of people and like feed that like how dope was this dude's shit that he could just like 
do that. Just just hospitably host all these like prisoners and shipwrecked folks. Uh, sounds pretty great. Yeah. And and uh, Paul goes ahead and uh, heals that man's father, who is very sick. So we get we get another Indeed. healing story. Um, which we we haven't had a healing story in a while. I was I was I was uh, starting to get concerned that right. no one was and being again, healed I anymore. I like to think that maybe maybe this man's father was physically ill. Maybe he was spiritually ill, and Paul came in and he gave him a little bit of gnosis. He gave him he gave him a nudge in the right direction. Yeah. He slipped him some mushrooms. He did whatever he needed to do to help this man see the light. And now he's born again. For sure. I think that we've talked about the healing happening in that way a lot doing the podcast. And I think that that's a little more palatable to understand or believe in. Um, Because even, I mean, that shift in mindset could heal physical ailments as well you know people talk about that shit a lot when they're do, doing the uh the yeah, mind, the mind over body matter connection. stuff you know and when, when people are when they get uh in maybe some terrible accident and doctors tell this person that they're never gonna walk again and then this person just has too much will and they're gonna they they figure it out somehow you know they're like, you're never going to ride a bike again. And then they're mm-hmm. riding a bike in like a marathon. So the mind, man, indeed, the mind is a powerful thing. So Paul does some healing they get to Rome and then they finally get to Rome. The final destination here in chapter 28 and uh there's some people that have come very far they know that paul is uh set to arrive and and some folks come out you know they Mm -hmm. fanboy on paul they drive well they don't drive because there's no cars at this time i don't know if you knew that andrew but during this time there were no vehicles of of like a car not even gas powered Yeah, no gas, no gas no, power, no um, nothing, wow. no electricity. Okay, interesting. Certainly not. Yeah, so no, no cars, no motorcycles, <laughs> nothing. So they got in their little no, they no got scooters. Their, uh, I don't know their chariot of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> These folks came and uh, they came from all over, and I mean that that was a pretty positive greeting for Paul. Um, and also again. Paul is is held, you know, not like other prisoners because most of the time he was being held in prison wherever else he was. He was, uh, there was just one guard kind of watching him. He could have people come visit him. And when he gets to Rome, they let him stay by by himself. And uh, so he gets to, he gets to hang by himself, still has a soldier guarding. But, uh, and then, and then three days later, he gets put before the Jews once again, the final time he gets put before these Jews for him to, to let them know 
once again that he has done nothing wrong mm-hmm. and he has traveled great lengths to let I them know I think it's funny this. that that the so. Jews are like, uh, yeah, so we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you, but we want to hear what your views are for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Yeah, he has no idea that this like message of like kill Paul has right. not. So Rome even knows that Rome. like he's he's a provisioner of the way, but they yeah they don't know that there's like controversy, which I think is kind of funny that like Paul's like bracing himself for this shitstorm, and then all the Jews are like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Like I thought things were cool. I don't know. People hated you. Yeah, and. And then they kind of come for, you know, day and night. People just gather to hear Paul speak because they're super, they're just interested in what he has to say about the way. And some people are with it. They believe him yep. and some people don't. Yeah. And, and I know I, I Quentin, Tarantino, kinda- Quentin Tarantino, this moment, um, but I'm just going to, yeah, I'll circle back oh, to the it. Previous episode? Um, so like you said. Paul sort of like is talking about, you know, trying to convince uh, people about Jesus and and how it sort of flows from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Um, and it says some were convinced by what he said, but others would not be would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah, the prophet, go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Uh, And I guess I'll just round it out. The last couple... Verses of the book say, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen for two whole years. Paul stayed there in his own rented house. Sounds nice. And welcomed all who came to see him boldly and without hindrance. He preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So sort of abrupt ending um, to this season. I think that maybe we could have written that better, but. Um, again, I think that that sort of like that pointing towards, uh, quoting Isaiah, like that is a super mystical, um, little passage talking about like these folks that are going to be, you know, without Christ in their hearts, they'll be able, they'll be able to see, but they won't really be able to see. They'll be able to hear, but they won't really be able to hear. They won't really be able to understand with their hearts because it's not about seeing with your physical eyes. It's about seeing with your, you know, through, through the spiritual lens. Um, so it's something, it's something deeper and more mysterious. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's interesting that they sort of just gloss over that. Cause I think that there's so much to unpack in that little section in terms of like Christ being the thing that allows you to see and hear and understand for the first time. Um, 
going back to what we sort of opened this this talk about with Axe, like that's a very that's a very gnostic notion um that you are going to find a new way of seeing um that's sort of like outside of this immediate reality a new way of understanding you know outside of your senses a deeper sense of knowing yeah yeah tapping into some way to receive that and probably not even knowing what it is that you're sure. about to receive and uh yeah just i like i like him letting them know like yo there's other people out there and some of them are going to receive this shit too because they want to and they're open to it <laughs> and they want to listen and they don't want to just like I don't know think that they're seeing or understanding something they want to actually feel it that's right and they're open to feeling it so and I don't know what that is I only know what that is right. for me each individual person can only so, know what it is I don't for know. them and they're gonna come to know and understand in their own I way I fucking don't yeah dude <laughs> I don't fucking get this this whole the whole thing still man I don't the way that this is all well like just the fact guess, that there's a religion just the way that American Christianity uh, presents a lot of this and does not focus more on the on the personal journey and that everybody is going to receive it and feel it differently and they're probably going to return yeah. it even differently in some ways and they're going to f- oh I guess that's the whole thing too is that like you become maybe the extremism of Paul and you start feeling like everyone needs to feel this thing that you felt not realizing that people are going to come to it right. in different ways you know and it's not to say that you can't move a bunch of people at the same time. I mean, we ex- we experience that all the time going to like a live music show, right? Especially when you see I don't know, I don't even want to say my my first instinct was to say that that's like something you really tap into with maybe a dark singer-songwriter set where everything is like really intimate. But I think I've felt the same thing when you and I witnessed young Jesus at Pickathon and this fucking right. thrashing set that was just so like you just felt like you were tapped into something. You became a believer that a night. A believer in, in young thing. Jesus for sure. So ha <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but so it's not to say that it can't be tapped into communally and that maybe a, a similar thing like resonates through people but i don't know man this this denial and maybe i just like don't know how this is being teached well or taught well enough you know and in, in a in a big to a big group of people maybe there is a lot of focus on the on the hero's journey the personal journey the personal work the per like the just the personal fucking mm-hmm. connection to the thing that makes you 
feel good as a being or makes you feel like you're tapped into something bigger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm really baked and I don't know why we keep not talking about this as a just like as, as a, a culture, whole, I guess. Just like why are we Yeah. I do yeah. think that uh Yeah, there's there are some nuggets of truth here um that are massively important and I think the emphasis on sort of each individual's responsibility for their own spiritual path and their own spiritual understanding and their own spiritual awakening uh, is so crucial. Um, and it seems like our culture has sort of de-emphasized that and put more of an emphasis on like, I don't fucking know, like just, yeah, like this other thing that's going to sort of save you and, and yeah, you know, have your own, personal relationship with God or whatever, but also remember like to show up to church and give us money and like be a part of the collective. And that's not to say that like collective movements are inherently valueless, but, um, I do think that more emphasis on the personal journey on, uh, striving towards goodness and truth and beauty and holiness and all of these things that like God represents, uh, is ultimately like where it's at and that's what's gonna save us even going back to like our at the very beginning of this conversation talking about sort of like you know the way that this country is going to heal is by individuals stopping the hatred towards the other side and that's goes for both sides um and that's work that i have to do as well but like it's work that every single person has to do we can't do it as a collective every person has to like fucking take up that cross and carry it up the hill and fucking do that work. Uh, and there are dozens of other things that like we need to work on, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah, man, for sure. Sweet. Well, we did it. We, (laughs) we wrapped, uh, I don't know. We wrapped up this season of the way or as it's known in the good word acts. Um, and it was, uh, it was a journey, Daniel. I'm glad to have gone on it with you. It was a journey. Um, you know, Paul goes hard. You, Paul you, tapped into something. You, you have respect that for that. He you have respect for how, Paul, how hard Paul goes. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, I don't know. It is his hero's journey. It's an inspiring story in some ways to just watch somebody continue to walk towards the thing that they should be probably fearful of just to like tap into something like that. I mean, I think that's even like, I don't know, the journey of a professional athlete or somebody that, I don't know, even, even just like a musician or somebody that like feels like they're really doing the Mm -hmm. thing that they were meant to do. And I think people often are just wonder why, why so many, you know, athletes or somebody that wins an award will talk about Mm -hmm. just like they'll thank God first. 
and how common that becomes. And I think that's just because like the amount of work that you have to do just like taps, like you for are sure. tapped into something else. Yeah. So like you're just grateful point. for that. And that you thing have that you were to tapped like, into that's bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to like surrender to it, but you also have to like do the work too. And you're just like, if you're not willing to like go that to that extra, mm-hmm. whatever that extra level is that you're able to tap into, like none of that stuff is possible without that. It becomes like that, sure. that common experience. Sure. So I, th- um, not that Paul was a great athlete. I mean, he could barely, it doesn't, I, it he doesn't could barely make it on the road to Damascus on anybody. seeing the light at some point. So I think it's safe to wager that he was not a great athlete. Or, you know what, dude, like even, uh, like to take it out of sports terms, it's almost you know a similar. I feel like Paul was a Malcolm was X to shit some up. degree. Like he just kept going, and and rode for his shit yep. till the end. And he he just kept proclaiming his yep. his faith in this thing that he believed in, and. Again, just ready to die for it. Like you have to, you for have sure. to respect that. That he was just down. Yeah, <laughs> he was down he, for his he shit. He believed. knew what it was, and even if, yeah, even if you thought he was wrong, this was the right yeah. thing for him. So, well, I think we could all use we could all use belief again, levels that are that strong. Boring. I could use the yeah. belief level that is that strong, you know? It's, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't, I didn't necessarily find it all that compelling oh, no. all the time reading it, but talking about it, uh, kind of, uh, for sure, stretches it out a bit. Even, I don't know, just getting that Gnostic perspective, yeah. even at the top. When I'm I'm just cruising like, through that okay, book, cool. so you best believe I'm gonna have all kinds of all kinds of little shitty recaps to provide. Well, we're uh, I'd say we're we're cruising through this book, kind of. Yeah, we've put you down know, we're covering some, some ground here. Pages. Hopefully, at this point. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, these episodes are as compelling as having guests on. I, I think that they're fun at the very least so i i uh well that's all that really matters i like it <laughs> it's just ridiculous and talk about zombies right i think we could do a whole episode word. on like does paul love zombies or does he just believe in the in spiritual resurrection we're not really sure it's unclear <laughs> um we should it would be fun to like get somebody that is really well respected in like studying the Bible. Maybe maybe like a religious studies person uh-huh. like your like your brother and just like come at them with a question like that. <laughs> just does he believe in zombies or does he believe in resurrection? <laughs> what do you th- yeah, what, what are you going to do, do with you that? Think, you know. Right. Just really earnestly um, we want to, st- <laughs> this is where we want to start. <laughs> oh, man. So I strap in. <laughs> um, 
I don't know what we're going to get into next. We're going to have to figure For that sure. out. Um, I want to yeah, know more about can, this Gnostic gospel. Dive into some of that or we can, uh, that can just be a parallel, a thread that just runs through. Uh, but I want to know more about these Gnostic gospels as well, which is why I'm reading the book. So I'll let you know. Well, is this, uh, I think it was written in the seventies. How old is this book? Oh, wow. Do you know if the author <laughs> is still alive? You're just going to be like, can we, can we get her on? Can, can we get her on? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's see. So it was written in 1979 by Elaine Pagels, who... Is still alive. 77 years old. She lives in Palo Alto. Or no, she was born in Palo Alto. We don't know where she lives. But yeah, according to Wikipedia, she is still alive. Um, an American historian. She released a book in 2018. I say, let's go for it, Dan. All right, We're dude. Coming for you. Elaine. You're coming on the show. Pagels. <laughs> What's the last name? Pagels? Here it is. I hope she has a, an, <laughs> yes, an yes, Instagram. Slide into her DMs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Elaine. Yeah. My friend really loves your book. Do you smoke <laughs> weed? Do you want to get stoned? Uh, wait, never mind. Um, yeah, man. Let's, let's try. Let's see. Um, this was fun. I'm glad we... I'm glad we finally wrapped this axe chat. Um, and I think that, yeah, maybe for the next one, if we if we do stay within the confines of of the Bible, which I, I think we probably will, we'll try to find something. I mean, Romans, I think, is better. I think Romans has more meat, and that's the next book. So maybe we'll do that, but maybe I'll do some future discovery just to make sure that it's actually interesting enough because axe was a little bit of a snoozer. For sure. Yeah, we'll figure it out, you know? We'll move along. We'll see how it unfolds. No into doubt. The great, into the great, great unknown. unknown, we will go. Um, Both with this podcast and in our lives. Um, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Um, and we're also starting a uh, youth, called the a way. youth camp. <laughs> a youth summer camp. It's called, yes, it is called The Way. And uh, we're hoping to launch that also as a, a Netflix series. What we're going to do the, is we're uh, going we're going to ask parents but, for $550 for their kids to attend summer camp for a week. And then we're just going to send that $550 back to the child in the form of cash and tell them to fucking go nuts and find their own way. Yeah. Camp Nowhere style? No. Have you ever seen that movie Camp Nowhere? It's a classic. I mean, it's it makes sense, I think, timeline-wise, since I have like seven years on you, maybe. Is that... I don't know. Somewhere Somewhere between there. five and seven six, years. Whatever. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Camp Nowhere. Put it on the watch that's list. A, that's a winner. Um, it's, about these, it's about these kids who... Uh, they they get somebody to come as a a summer camp recruiter to their houses but they pay this man 
to come and say that he's the camp recruiter from all these different camps. And really they just pull their money together to get this really dope house in the middle of the woods and they just cause a ruckus all summer. And the entire plot of the movie is just them trying to maintain the front and trying to come, come up with a gimmick to, to create a, uh, a parents day visit actually happens. I dig it. Highly recommend that one. It's uh, early 90s, and it's got Christopher Lloyd in yeah, it. Yeah, that's fun. So that's tight, I, I think. I think he's in it, yeah. Um, great movie, great movie, great 90s movie. So so tune into that, Bible Buds. You tune into that, um, and I don't know. Someone send do us it. an email. Be Someone cool. do it already. Provide us with some light in our lives and send us an email tell us about your life tell us about your concerns about um acts or anything else in in the bible whatever you want to say is is fine at this point we would just like some community outreach and we want to be filled (laughs) with the holy spirit and we want you to help us Amen. achieve that. <laughs> yeah. Um, smoke, pray, love, everybody. And, uh, whoa, we don't say don't, definitely we don't say keep vote being anymore. not racist. Um, yeah, try, like, also just, you know, try to be yeah, good it's to hard, man. each other it's hard out, out there. there. So just, yeah, just be in good. general. Be good to yourself. It is hard. Be it's good to easy the, to get the people frustrated. in your lives and, and the people you encounter. And then, you know, once you do that, hopefully you have enough space left to, to bless up. <laughs> yes, I I, yeah. I always hope that I have enough space to bless up. And to so. you as well. Bless up to you, Andrew. <laughs>